0: You. Hello, my name is Magdalena Ball, and I am delighted to be hosting this conversation with Zachary Bird as part of the Newcastle Writers'. Festival's Stories to You series in 2021. So let me begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which I live and work, the Awabakal people, and to pay my respects to elders past and present with a particular welcome to all Aboriginal people listening to this conversation. I'd like to also thank all listeners for your ongoing support of the Newcastle Writers Festival. Today's guest, the fabulous Zachary Bird is a vegan recipe developer, a private chef, caterer, comedian, cookbook author from Melbourne, uh, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> He's operated a pop-up ice cream shop, worked with various brands to introduce their vegan products, bought veganism to many kitchens that wouldn't otherwise uh, have had it, <laughs> and has had his unique and often viral recipes shared around the world. He's also the author of this book, Vegan Junk Food. Zach, welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm stoked to be here.
0: It's great to have you. Uh, I usually like to get authors to open shows by reading a little from their books. Um, I would love to see you cook (laughs) but that probably we probably don't have time for that um and also because this is primarily going to be an audio podcast and I don't want to torture anyone um but can I just ask you please to read a little from the intro just to give us a taste of your literary style
1: that'd be my pleasure this is the intro excerpt from vegan junk food dear readers As veganism has surged in popularity over the past few years, so have the variety of people interested in vegan food. I've cooked for them all. Retreats full of people with different dietary requirements, large crowds of vegans wanting to try quirky deep-fried dishes, classes of all ages trying to pick up new kitchen skills, small families trying to make the switch, lines of hungry festival goers who couldn't care less what they're served as long as it's delicious, plus friends and family. All of them were guinea pigs for the recipes in this book. The dishes you'll learn to make within these pages are confirmed hits across all demographics. This is a vegan cookbook and veganism is not a diet. You can be a junk food vegan, environmental vegan, ethical vegan, a quiet vegan, a loud vegan, or even a healthy vegan. Although that last kind won't find much solace within these pages. These recipes aim to show you how to mimic the most indulgent dishes from around the world without using any animals. With this book in hand, you can transform your kitchen into your favourite fast food joints or liven up the smorgasbord at parties, pending you being invited to any. Those who think they hate vegan food just haven't yet figured out how to cook vegetables properly. So if this is you, it's time to learn. It's lucky you picked up the right book. Whether you want to substitute for your favourite greasy burger or you've got a point to prove and want to make an entire chicken drumstick, including a bone, from scratch, you'll find it here. So why would a vegan go to so much effort to recreate the precise dishes we're trying to avoid? Food is cultural and we crave our favorite familiar meals. The eating of animals, however, is not a culture that can be appropriated. Animal-based dishes do not have a monopoly on flavors, textures, or shapes. It's all open season. Anything can be made vegan and it should. I've heard every reason for choosing a plant-based diet and it's very rare that someone made the switch because they didn't enjoy the flavours of animal products. So if we can recreate them, why not? When Heston Blumenthal turns meat into a fruit, the world can't applaud loudly enough. Visionary. When vegans do the opposite, apparently we've got a bloody lot of nerve. Creative cooks around the world have made it so that you don't need to miss out on the flavours you love by choosing the vegan option, and that's something to celebrate.
0: Absolutely. Wonderful. And I think that uh, really gives a sense of the... The style of the book too. It's uh, it's very down to earth. It's fun. It, I think fun is the number one criteria that uh, that you have for your recipe development. You've been doing that all week, haven't you? Developing recipes.
1: I have been locked up in my kitchen, so it has not made any difference that we've just entered lockdown here again. Because okay. I wasn't. Leaving anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've been watching the news all day. It's uh, yes, um,
1: quite a. Quite, it's quite a shame but you're going to keep going in the kitchen right absolutely it gives me plenty of time to create some cool new vegan options so what have you made today today I'm working on something called a muffuletta which is like a um, Italian deli style sandwich it's not Italian it's from the US but it's filled with uh, uh, smoked ham kind of pieces there is salami in there and I've been making what else did I make I made, oh, what's it called? The um, I've made a lot of different deli meats today and it's a massive deli meat sandwich essentially. So uh, that's in my fridge ready for dinner later.
0: Oh, nice. That sounds delicious. So tell me how the book, um, I'm going to hold it up a few times for you. I think I'm, I'm meant to do that. <laughs> tell me how vegan junk <laughs> food came together. What was the steps and going from, you know, just starting off with this, like these incredible innovative viral recipes to actually producing this cookbook?
1: So for me, I've been a a home home chef for quite a few years, and that sort of progressed into different jobs. But I wrote an e-book in 2019 called Meals for Mere Mortals. And it was sort of an exploration of a lot of different ideas I'd started to work on. uh, Because of some of my viral recipes, I had a viral recipe called CFC drumsticks, which is a mock KFC with a cauliflower bone and jackfruit flesh. And I had a lot of controversy about that Uh, looking too realistic. So Meals for Mere Mortals was sort of my uh, up you answer to those people and those naysayers. And Meals for for Mere Mortals was this e-book of how to make unicorn steak and mermaid tail and uh, edible face hugger from Alien and kind of saying we can make our fake meat look as realistic as we want. And that e-book is what led me to get the Vegan Junk Food Cookbook, which is a natural progression of sort of taking apart all of the foods that people expect to not be a part of a vegan diet and sort of putting them back on the menu.
0: But um, why did you decide specifically to to specialise in junk food? Um, Did you feel as an eater (laughs) as opposed to a chef that it's a niche that wasn't being met?
1: Well, when I first went vegan, uh, and it still sort of is the case today, a lot of the people in the forefront of this movement and and who you might hear from are very healthy, and and I had this misconception about veganism and and what I, my vegan lifestyle could look like because I was seeing smoothie bowls and salads and and nothing like my lifestyle and anything that I could relate to, and so when I started to discover uh, in Australia, we have a, a lord of the fries which is this awesome vegan friendly fast food joint and it blew my mind i went oh well i can eat that that's not a that's not an issue i'm really on board with that so vegan junk food is sort of uh reclaiming a bit of the space in that vegan conversation for the people like me who want to have a few beers and have a deep-fried meal on a Friday night. And it's saying you can pick a cruelty-free option or you can pick a slightly healthier option or at least something that's better for the environment and still have all those brilliant flavours that you grew up eating. Because I'm not ready to give up deep-fried food and spice and flavour and fat.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, But, you know, you're using a lot of, you know, very nice vegetables in your food. (laughs) I won't mention the kale. uh, But you do use, you know, you use beautiful vegetables, it's all homemade. Um, And Mm. I I wonder to myself, as I was looking through this book, you know, whether there really is a distinction between healthy and unhealthy, or if that's just some, you know, some marketing way or marketing gimmick. Um, I mean, if you're going to cook something, whether you deep fry it or don't deep fry it, it's still you're still nourishing yourself, aren't you?
1: A hundred percent. And I mean, when we look at vegan junk food, some of the recipes that are in here are things like tabbouleh and falafel wraps, which I kind of look at as quite a healthy lunch option, but in, in the world of fast food, I, I guess it's really the, thing, the takeaway and those um, quick meals that we all rely on in a pinch is is what is in here. And some of that can look quite healthy. It's actually really exciting when you drop those walls, and you realize you can have it all in the same meal. You can have cruelty-free, delicious, and it can taste like what your grand used to make for you as well.
0: Absolutely, um, and uh, I, I guess it's a little bit um, that the whole notion that veganism equals giving up what mm. you love is really what your your book counters. And it's not so much about healthy or unhealthy, even though you know you've got the word junk in there, but it's really about. Um, you know, you can still be an ethical eater without having to say, uh, you know, I, I'm going to walk around with my halo and only have sprouts.
1: I actually, I absolutely agree. And I actually think it's super liberating. Uh, a lot of people that I talk to, and I know that this was the case for me, I fell in love with food after I went vegan. So I didn't have any food background before I I turned vegan. And I, I've i been a vegetarian since I was a, a, a kid, a teenager, since I was very young, and food was not a part of my identity. And I I sort of saw it as, oh, I'm the vegetarian. So I just, you know, whatever's there, I'll go to the restaurant with everyone and I'll have a side of chips and cheese pasta is generally what it tends to be. And when I went vegan and at first it felt like I was being restricted even further. And then I sort of looked at food differently and I went, well, no, these four dishes that I have a week aren't the world of food. What if I have a pizza without cheese on it? Turns out that's delicious. And now we have vegan cheese, so you don't even have to choose. But um, I think it's really liberating to sort of move away from meat and three veg or uh, this is just what I know how to cook and go, wait, wait a minute, what if cauliflower was the star of dinner? Because cauliflower can do a lot of heavy lifting in a dish and it should stop being put to the side and take the limelight in the meal a little more often, I think.
0: Yeah, it's great to grab
1: <laughs> <laughs> when you're
0: eating a chicken bun. Um, or a fake, uh, fake chicken bone, ficken bone, or something. Whatever, anyway. what
1: helps you get through it?
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, no, look, I, I love cauliflower. I could eat cauliflower for days. Anyway, deep fried or not deep
1: fried. Um, I mean, always save your cauliflower leaves. They're delicious in soups and whatnot. That's okay. Tip. Good tip. You heard it here. So, do do you think?
0: Do you think in many ways? Um, you know, over the past year, or the past two years, let's say. The world of veganism has completely changed. I mean, there was a time you'd walk into a restaurant, um, and I know this very clearly, and, you know, if you even mentioned the V word, um, you know, you'd be really stared down. But nowadays, most restaurants have vegan options. There are a lot of vegan restaurants. There's even, you know, the fromagerie and <laughs> a cheese place and, you know, Susie Spoon's Butchers and, you know, there's Absolutely. all sorts of... Um, options that people who have just chosen to eat cruelty free um, can actually make whatever they want without, you know, without really giving a second thought to, you know, can I make this or can I not make this? Do I have to go without? Um, But do you think, you know, in many ways you are, you pioneered this? (laughs) Have you started the trend?
1: (laughs) I am personally responsible for the rise of veganism. Yes, you heard it here. I, <laughs> uh, it's well been, done. <laughs> it's been an amazing time. So I've been in this scene, I guess, for about six, five or six years now. And, boy, I mean, I could not have imagined what is possible. So when I started, I, I mean, I was trying to get whatever cooking gig would allow me to be a vegan chef. And that meant... Uh, really healthy private chefing. I was doing yoga retreats and a lot of Buddhist cooking because uh, that's all that. thats only Those that, that were the only people interested in any of the food that I had to produce. And to fast forward five years and uh, prior to COVID, my job was working in plant-based meat development for some of the brands that go into Woolworths and Coles and whatnot. And that wasn't even a part of the conversation when I started this. And I haven't been uh, in it for that long. So it's just so interesting to see how rapidly... Uh, we've gotten to the point where KFC has a vegan option in the US and um, a lot of the a lot of the uh, brands and the, the spaces you'd expect veganism would take decades to get into have been welcomed well, in. because People have realized veganism is for everyone. A vegan option is your vegetarian option. It's your I'm just trying something a little lighter option. It's your I want to be environmentally conscious option. And people are now seeing it's not this other world. It's just another option.
0: Yeah, it certainly makes it a lot easier for particularly young people who are really uncomfortable, I think, contrary to I think contrary to the uh, the popular conception about, you know, vegans liking to announce themselves. I, I think young people are pretty um, uncomfortable in a, going into a fast food joint and going, oh, you know, I'm a vegan. They just eat chips. But now you can go in and you can actually get the burger option and still eat the way you need to eat. So it's uh, it's amazing and really wonderful and wonderful to go into the supermarkets and see some of your products like Unreal Foods and you know all of those and actually be able to um to just go up even in the meat aisle and actually have a little section where you can get what you you know what you need. So fantastic. Well do- well done you for doing all of that. <laughs>
1: Well, there's been such a long time where people have said to me, I would go vegan, but... And I've always said that our focus should be on negating the but of that sentence. And when they go, I would go vegan, but I can't find the food. Now that you can go into pretty much any food court in Australia, you can find several vegan options. And if you go into the meat aisle, you can find that version. So the accessibility just makes that yes and that option so much easier. And it's just really... I think food and um, propagating veganism through this way of making it accessible is one of our best ways of achieving our goals and um, being activists in a way that everyone can get on board with.
0: Yeah, and in a way that really is like, you know, feeding people, which is such a a lovely thing to do, really. You know, nourishing people is, you know, is is joyful. I say that as a mother.
1: Yeah, well, the way that your heart is through your stomach, we've got to really feed the people before we can have a real conversation, can't we?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, you're listening to the Newcastle Writers Festival's Story to You podcast series. My name is Magdalena Ball, and I'm speaking with Zachary Bird about his cookbook, Vegan Junk Food. So you've only been vegan, as you say, for a few years now, but are you surprised you become a celebrity
1: chef? (laughs) It all happened very quickly, hasn't it? The word celebrity chef's a big one. but (laughs) (laughs) I... um... I quit my job maybe two or three years ago and said, no, this is what I really want to do. And I am only really happy when I'm not only happy, but I I get the most joy out of being involved in this. So it's something that no matter what the industry looks like, I I think I'd be involved with anyway, but it is really exciting that people can make a real career out of themselves because I never expected to have a, be able to make this my actual job and actually pursue it full time. So, um, it's been a delightful little shift.
0: Yeah, I, I can imagine it, it would have. And one of the things I have noticed, which is maybe different in the vegan world than other cooking worlds um, or other chef type worlds, is the amount of support that you all provide to one another. Um, I mean, I've noticed, for example, I've been following you on Instagram and following a lot of other uh just out of interest, really, following a lot of, a lot of other vegan chefs or, um, you know, you all seem to comment on each other's posts and go, yeah, you know, well done, that's fantastic. Um, do you find there is much of a community?
1: The community is really what got me into, when I first went vegan, I felt so isolated and it was really, um, I, I didn't have anyone to talk to, I had no one to relate to. And finding this community, and I know that we have um a lot of people have a public image issue of the vegan community but uh, the incredible souls that i found in here and the supportiveness is incredible but it's also done so much to propel us forward and my favorite story is to tell the story of the rise of aquafaba are you a fan have you tried aquafaba
0: aquafaba is amazing i mean i'm i'm so happy i don't have to just throw it out now and i can actually oh. make meringue <laughs>
1: it's so exciting and it's because specifically because of the vegan community that aquafaba has become such a global phenomenon. Uh, You can really track Bruce Walt uh, was the US guy who uh, watched a couple of videos. He had the initial idea to try aquafaba with sugar as a meringue. And then it went into a Facebook group called uh, vegan meringue hits and misses. And it was that rapid sharing of information and support. And it was sharing our misses, not just our hits that was really important to Uh, collectively discover this new ingredient within a year or two aquafaba went from this guy's head to it's in the scrabble dictionary home and away did aquafaba uh, macarons a couple of years ago it's now uh, many local restaurants near me use it instead of egg whites in their cocktails because it's wastage Mm -hmm. and it is that community effort that has taken an idea like aquafaba and become a global phenomenon that not just vegans can embrace in such a short amount of time. It normally wouldn't happen that quickly.
0: You, you just gotta think like, how would you, you know, in the first instance think, hmm, I wonder what would happen if I whip this liquid?
1: That's what's so exciting about the ingenuity of vegans where they go, well, we don't have meringues. I'm going to whip everything in my house until something starts working like an egg and then <laughs> something else it. will help you fix it into a real recipe at the end of the day. <laughs> I know, you gotta wonder
0: what else he whipped first. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs>
0: like, wait liquid.
1: I get a lot, you get praise for your one big payoff, but no one sees the, the. I, I boiled light cheese for five hours the other day to see if I could make it taste better. I couldn't, but there's a lot of fails you don't see behind the scenes as we try and crack, crack a code.
0: Yes, I have to say I have yet to crack banana skin bacon, but we'll we'll put that aside. I'm sure you've done it. Have, have done you it tried well. it? Yeah, you did, I have tried it, believe it or not, but it didn't work so well.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, after the podcast, we'll have a chat and I'll talk you through it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks. The rice paper one is a little easier and I think probably a little bit more,
1: uh, um, you know, f- foolproof, let's say. hundred percent. And rice paper, just like uh, Aquafaba, it had a Facebook group. It was uh, it came from a Danish website called uh, Veganer. Um, a guy called Casper came up with that idea three years ago. And now it's just it's disseminated and it's a part of vegan and food culture because we've been able to share and collaborate so quickly. How amazing.
0: That is amazing. So do you have a couple of other like um, vegan chefs that, that really inspire you or that kind of spur you on to try new things or that you just follow for, for fun?
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, there's so many brilliant people. Uh, Miyoko Skinner is one of the pioneers of this movement. And so she owns Miyoko's Creamery mm. uh, and has one of the, the the seminal books on how to make vegan cheese. And so if you want to start somewhere, Miyoko Skinner is uh, someone who's really uh, exciting to follow. Mm. Uh, I also really like uh, Sarah Kidd, who's a friend of mine in New Zealand, and she is Killing the cake game, which is something I won't touch. <laughs> I won't move away from savoury anytime soon. So I have a lot of respect for the beautiful cakes that she makes too.
0: Yeah, you did a collaboration, didn't you?
1: Oh, yeah. And we've got one coming up next month. I I think we're, we're often working together. It's always a pleasure to work with Sarah Kidd. So check her out if you want another incredible vegan to discover.
0: Fantastic. So um, do you have a holy grail? I know you've managed to grow Oreos. Well done.
1: oh it took a while I'm not a green thumb
0: (laughs) (laughs) but do you have a holy grail recipe you've been trying to veganize for a long time and struggling or can you veganize anything
1: look I veganizing something subjective I mean I see a lot of recipes on the internet that look look the part or they might taste the part but they're not quite there most things are pretty good but I am Working on my next cookbook and uh, one of the hardest ones is pork crackling. And I've had this as a challenge from my brother for the better part of five years to veganize pork crackling. And I've just, I'm just not there yet. So um, never say never, but we are working on it.
0: Okay. All right. Wait, when do you think uh, the vegan butcher is coming out? Do you have a deadline you're working towards?
1: Uh, my deadline is in two weeks from today. So oh my <laughs> very God. soon. But uh, it'll be out by the end of the year. I'm sure... My first book got delayed by six months due to COVID, so I don't want to lock in any dates, but it should be out by Christmas and Thanksgiving this year in time for your feast.
0: Fantastic. Will your amazing Christmas dinner recipe be in there?
1: Oh, 100%. This, I think, will be my next uh, big thing. I'm really going hard and going. If if there is uh, a traditional animal based dish. I'm hoping you will find a vegan version of it somewhere in this book. I I hope this will be the holy grail of of veganizing things.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I'm hoping maybe we, I mean, I love the nut roast, but I'm hoping that we can actually have a, you know, mock turkey this year.
1: Oh, yeah, nut roasts are fine here and there, but you really want a showstopper. I think vegans and vegetarians and people with dietary requirements have spent so many Christmases having side dishes and sitting and going, oh, yum, I'm so happy with my salad, but we're really not. And it's time that we start making some big showstopping centerpiece like the roast turkey and the chicken and the brisket and the roast ham and all the dishes coming your way.
0: Vegan. Well, you've done pretty well with the skin. I mean, that's that's tricky stuff. You really pulled it off, at least
1: visually. It looks amazing. Oh, skin's one of the easiest ones. There's so many different ways to do it. I'm, I, I came up with a new one last night, but we've got, there's so many ways. Oh, I can't wait to teach you all of it. Once you look into it, vegan food really is not that hard. It's just a new way of thinking about how we eat and how we put together our meals. Sure.
0: Wonderful. So um, tell me a little bit just before we uh, we finish off, tell me a little bit about the comedy element. Have you you always been a comedian or did the comedian and the cooking kind of come together at the same time?
1: They did not. uh, They did not come together at the same time at by any means. If you go back into my social media posts when I started Uh, posting and I mean I only started social media because I wanted to explore vegan food and I was just trying people's recipes and putting my things up and so there's a long time where I didn't really put any of my personality into it and it just it really was lockdown when we went into a hundred days of lockdown last year and my book got delayed by six months I had nothing to do but turn on my camera and, and I've always thought of myself as a little comedian. So I, I bit the bullet and it's been, I've, I've really loved that people have responded to it. And it's really shown that people are looking for different ways to be vegan. There, there's no right way. And sometimes you just want something a little lighter and a little cheeky. And I'm happy to be that person for now. Yeah,
0: and I think that's a, you know, it's also an antidote to, again, that kind of stereotypical po-faced, you know, I, I you know, I, I always eat healthy and I always do the right thing and I don't tell jokes because, you know.
1: A hundred percent. And it's, uh, I, I kind of see like vegan humour, I think for, for the better part of five years, most of the vegan humour I would see would be like vegetable puns, like let us eat. And I was like, oh, wow, there's no personality. Let's have a little bit of spice and flavor in the way that we're talking. And I really love comedy. And I also, I think it's a a much easier way to talk about some, I mean, I'm unapologetically vegan in my posts. I will talk about um, on on the reasons to be vegan, but I think hiding it in a bit of humor says like, when you go vegan, it's not, you don't commit the rest of your life to saying a candlelight vigil and, and solemnly going about your day. You can have a giggle. It's a pretty funny lifestyle. There's a lot of laughs in it. Yeah. Um, So can we talk just briefly, I don't want to
0: go too heavy on it, about um, diet culture and this notion that, you know, we really, um, it's better for you to be austere or it's better for you even to be thin or, you know, all the pressure on people to eat a certain way for their health as opposed to, you know, for their enjoyment or for their, you know, general um, nourishment.
1: Well, see, one of the biggest misconceptions about veganism and one that I try and dispel is that veganism is a diet, which it isn't. Veganism um, is a lifestyle and within that comes your diet and and how you look at all different parts of your life. But it isn't a diet. So there isn't a right way to do it in terms of you must eat this or else you're not a real vegan. And I think kind of separating, uh, when I started following a lot of food blogs, it was exactly that. I wanted to know how to make a delicious dinner and I would be told why i needed to juice celery for breakfast and i was like well i I can take my b vitamins i i there's no um once you take your b12 it's very hard to be deficient in a lot of things on a vegan diet if you have a, a a varied diet of not just hot chips for dinner and i think um that's one of the things that i didn't understand and got me to really look at veganism in a new light was to go it's not a diet and i think by tying it up in that we really do ourselves a disservice to the people who could get on board but they're being put off by i'm not going to have 12 bananas for breakfast and and i'm not going to look into a lifestyle that tells me i need to sure and so there just need to be competing voices in the movement i think
0: yeah absolutely and and maybe a focus on that you know the the point I mean, it, it may be the case. I don't know. I I suspect that, you know, meat diet is kind of on the way out. <laughs> I mean, it's it's getting, I would say diet, you know, eating a lot of animals is probably on the way out. I just don't know that it's sustainable. So uh, it may be that people who are, you know, would be vegan, except they love cheese or, you know, except they can't do without meat, will find a way to have those flavors that you know heme or whatever it is that uh you know is causing the flavor that they love so much in other ways that are more ethical
1: well that's it when you break it down at the end of the day most of the time it's umami or it's salty or there's a way of getting what you want when you really start to understand it's not uh pigs aren't a magical animal who create salty umami flavors that's just how people have cooked bacon and you can cook other things like that too and benefit just as much and the pigs get benefit as well which is Sort of the point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Pigs pigs in particular, because they're so smart.
1: They are so smart and they're so adorable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, Zach, you're on a lot of different social media outlets. Um, where's your best place for people to go to find out more about you and about your book, Vegan Junk Food?
1: Uh, you can. I recommend just Googling vegan junk food, Zachary Bird, and it'll pop up with whatever options near you are the best. If you order it from my website, I draw you a burger inside there. So that's pretty snazzy. And you can find uh, me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I think I have a Pinterest. I haven't checked it in a long time, but I'm on most things. So do look me up. I'm pretty funny and my recipes are delicious.
0: Absolutely. I can concur with both of those things. (laughs) I'll never look at a recipe the same again after you're I've just posted something on my blog. Enter, 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 enter. (laughs)
1: <laughs> someone's got to say it that's why i write cookbooks because i don't have to write all those words in front there's no ads and there's no comments at the bottom asking questions yeah and you don't <laughs> and have, have to like, go will never die.
0: that's right but where's the recipe
1: <laughs> oh <laughs> god <laughs>
0: Zachary, we're out of time, but thank you so much for joining me today. And listeners, we've just been discussing Zachary Bird's book, Vegan Junk Food, which is published by Smith Street Books in September 2020, as part of the Newcastle Writers Festival's Stories to You series, which will continue until the end of May. Episodes will be available every Wednesday morning. Please follow the Newcastle Writers Festival on Facebook and Instagram for regular updates. And uh, the 2021 festival will be held from September 24th to the 26th and listeners are welcome to make a donation via the festival's website to support the event which has been hit pretty hard by COVID COVID, but not as hard as Melbourne so uh, good
1: luck to you yes all
0: right bye for now
1: thank you Stories.
0: stories to you